2: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
3: You're listening to the FT Money Show, brought to you by Investors Chronicle and FT Money.
0: Hello and welcome to the FT Money Show. In this week's programme, will the Chancellor do a U-turn on capital gains tax? Should private investors buy into agriculture, wheat, corn or even coffee? Is buy-to-let still a good investment as the housing market slows down? And we have some good news and bad news from Abbey. I'm Matthew Vincent from FT Money and I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with the help of not one, not two, but three of my colleagues from FT Money. I have uh, Charlene Goff. Hello. And uh, Elaine Moore. Hi. And from Investors Chronicle, we have John McLeod. Hello. Hello to you all. So, let's start with that news that just four weeks after the pre-budget report, uh, Chancellor Alistair Darling is now apparently considering amending some of the changes he announced to capital gains tax. Um, uh, Charlene, I mean, just remind us what it was that he said in the in the pre-budget report.
4: Well, the idea was to scrap um, a fairly complex capital gains tax system uh, that's existed for many years with a new flat rate fee. And this could mean that rather than uh, investors paying anything between 10 and 40%, they just pay 18 So while on the surface that looks quite good for a lot of people, actually a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs were, were going to be worse off. So they've been lobbying very hard to get this changed.
0: And sounds like they've been lobbying hard enough to, to have some effect.
4: Yeah, it does. I mean, he's only considering uh, changing the proposals at the moment. But the idea would be to bring in an element of retirement relief uh, for people who had built up their businesses, sold them and then retired. Uh, people are saying this still isn't enough because a lot of entrepreneurs don't just work and develop one business. They they move quite quickly from business to business and this would only let them benefit from the relief just once.
0: And uh, this is business owners, of course, but, um, John, you've covered AIM-listed shares for the uh, Investors Chronicle. They used to benefit under the old taper relief system for capital gains tax. Do you want to just remind people how that used to work?
2: Well, after two years, capital gains tax would fall to 10% for higher rate payers or 5% for basic rate payers. So there could have been a sort of sell-off in AIM shares prior to the change, although after two years they'll still be exempt from inheritance tax.
0: So There are still some tax advantages, but if the tax changes stay the same on AIM shares, the rates effectively could go up from 10% to 18%. That's right, an, 80,
2: an 80% rise. Another irony of this for a Labour government is that the 5% rate would apply to people who've got employee share schemes, or basic rate payers so the focus is on business, rich business owners and not on people who've invested in their own companies.
0: Yeah. Charlene, is there any sign that any of these other capital gains tax measures will be looked at?
4: I don't think there is at the moment. I think this idea that people who are building up their own businesses would be hit was the main concern. But as we've seen time and time again, there's no certainty that, that these rules will be introduced in, in the form proposed.
0: So it's a case of watch this space by the sounds of it. Uh, or more importantly, uh, watch out for your article in uh, in FT Money with the Weekend FT on uh, 3rd of November. Yep. Well, thank you very much, and uh, remember, you can send in your financial questions about tax or any other subject by emailing us at ask.ftyourmoney at ft.com. Still to come in the programme, buy-to-let property. Is it still a good investment, or is it time to up sticks? And we have some good news and some bad news for abbey savers and borrowers. But first, commodities. This week, U.S. crude oil hit an all-time high of $94 a barrel, and just a few weeks ago, gold prices were also hitting a new 28-year high at uh, $766 an ounce. But it's not just these hard commodities that are booming. Soft commodities, such as agricultural products, wheat, corn, coffee, cocoa, have seen months of rising prices as well, and uh, the price of wheat, in fact, hit a record level in late September as bad weather was damaging crops in Europe, Canada, and Australia. Demand for these crops also seems to be increasing. So the question really is is it time to buy into agriculture? Is it time to buy into agricultural funds? So John McLeod called up Rob Harley at Best Invest, and this is what he told him.
5: One of the most notable funds that, too, have, have come to the market is the Schroders Agricultural Fund, and I think that um, t- took the rec- that they're fastest-growing fund ever from launch. I mean, this is uh, it's quite interesting. This is a, what, what we refer to as a, a, as a more discretionary way of playing the market. Basically, the managers here gain exposure to the underlying commodities and he can pick and choose exactly which commodities um, he wants exposure to. There are no formal index constraints or anything like that. And he will gain exposure to either through futures or through equities, and he he will also take positions along the futures curve. It might not necessarily be at the spot price; it might be a little bit further out. And he will basically use fundamental analysis to identify sort of supply-demand characteristics and where those might be not where those might not be factored into um, the futures price curve.
0: John uh, Rob Harley of Best Investor sounded pretty bullish on that Schroders agricultural fund. There, um, do you share his view?
2: Well, it's certainly one way of playing it, Matthew. The one problem for investors is that you can't hold that one in either because it's domiciled in Luxembourg. Mick Gilligan at Broker Killick Co. also recommended the CF Eclectica Fund, which can be held in Isers. I know Elaine's been looking at that fund. She'll say a bit more about it. There are also uh, other ways to play um, single commodities through exchange-traded commodities, which are listed in the Stock Exchange. You can find more about them on com. There's nine single ETCs, four index ETCs and four forward ETCs. And there are also some structured products which offer capital protection and exposure to a basket of commodities, one from Close and one from Donny Day. So, these structured
0: products, I mean, how, how do they sort of work in simple terms? They, they offer you protection for your capital and some upside if commodities rise. Is that the sort of general gist?
2: That's right. The Donny Day Quantum one has got 100% capital protection and 105% upside in the basket. And the Close one's only 85% protection and 125% upside. But, but, so it's more upside. Also, the close one is tradable because it's an investment trust, whereas the Donny Day quantum one has to be held for a, a fixed term.
0: So you have to stick with it for that length of time, but with the with the close example, you just buy and, buy and sell whenever you want to?
2: You can trade it on the secondary market.
0: Okay. Um, you mentioned uh, that Elaine's been looking at uh, some of the new fund launches. There seem to be a whole load of them.
6: There are a few. It's still quite hard for private investors to get involved in this as an investment theme. Some professional investors think that we're at the start of a 20-year bull market for agricultural commodities, but there aren't actually that many funds you can invest in. There's, as we said, there's the uh, Schroders Fund, which has done very well, and the Eclectica Fund, But there's also the Close Investments Agricultural Commodities Trust, which is launching on the 12th of November.
0: Is that the one that that, that John mentioned, the one that has the 85% protection? Yes, that's right, yes.
6: Um, And there's also the Bremer Group Agricultural Land Fund, which is going to invest just in farmland. And the Saracen Chiswell Fund, which is a property fund trying to capitalise on agricultural land as well. Well, What do you think
0: the the reason for this newfound enthusiasm for all things agricultural and and farming is?
6: Well, I think commodities are always really good for investors because they offer diversification. Commodities, base metals and energy commodities have done fantastically well over the last 20 years. Agriculture hasn't really kept up, but in the last Few months actually, there's been a huge spike in prices for things like wheat and corn, and so investors want to gain exposure to that.
0: And, uh, John, do you expect to see more of these exchange traded commodities, the ETCs that you mentioned, launched over the sort of coming weeks and months?
2: Definitely. I mean, they're a very nimble way to, to play the market, and they can be harmonizers as can the structured products. I mean, there's also it's a, this is a longer term trend. I mean, there's been recent problems with bad weather, which have cause prices to rise. But it's a longer-term trend with um, demand from emerging markets um, and pressure on land for forest- forestry for the for Kyoto Protocol and also biofuels. There's a huge demand for biofuels, so it's a trade-off between food and, and biofuels.
0: Yeah, and no, in fact, Elaine, you've been looking at that uh, yeah, as well. And Some
6: investors say that it's more about the demand from emerging markets than it is about biofuels, although biofuels get more press coverage because they're seen as a more interesting trend.
0: But that, that demand from emerging markets is often for things like better food, higher quality? Well,
6: it's quite producers. interesting because they're moving away from a diet that's based on vegetables and rice more towards protein. But to get protein, you need to use a lot of crops to feed the cows that then produce the beef. So that's using up a lot more land than uh, had already been used.
0: So as people get hungrier and more into diverse ways of eating, it sounds like agricultural prices could be well supported.
6: And Western investors can benefit from it.
0: Thank you both very much indeed. Coming up, we have some good news and bad news for Abbey customers. Before that, though, buy-to-let property. Um, Charlene, we've seen the housing markets slowing, but there's also this potential tax cut coming up for buy-to-let investors. So I suppose the question is, is it still a, a good investment?
4: Well, if only we knew, I think is the answer. People have very different opinions on this, and the tax charge could benefit property owners. But like we said earlier, um, there's no certainty that that will actually come in in the form and whether it will be that much of an incentive for people to go into property because obviously it is a very big commitment. Uh, Looking at buy-to-let generally, um, there's kind of two sides to the argument. One is that property prices are slowing. We could even see some falls next year. But on the flip side, uh, the fundamentals look quite good. Rents are rising and there's lots of demand. So to try and get a clearer idea of where the market's heading, I spoke to Stuart Law at Assets. So Stuart, there's been some quite negative forecasts about the UK housing market out recently. Uh, Where do you see the market going over the next year or so?
3: Well, we've, we've had the usual suspects really commenting on uh, house price doom and gloom again. One day they will be right, but we don't feel this is the time. We're, we're in a very strong place, really, if we look at the key drivers behind UK property prices. Uh, the, the two heavily negative potential factors that would affect UK house prices are uh, significantly uh, interest rates, which are in turn driven by inflation, and uh, a potential recession. Uh, both of those would affect us, and neither one of those two genuinely appears to be on the horizon. And so we we, we see all the other factors which are very much more real, uh, like immigration, net increase in UK population of another 4.5 million forecast in the next eight, nine years, according to government figures, and uh, all the other factors here in the marketplace as supporting prices very strongly.
4: And obviously now a big uh, slice of the property market and sales that are going through is done by investors in the buy-to-let market. With property yeah, yeah. prices slowing a bit, do you think that buy-to-let is still <laughs> a good investment?
3: Yes, yeah, interesting point. At a distance, at an arm's-length view, it would appear that it wouldn't be so. But when you look in detail, the opportunities appear to be getting better in the second half of the year than in the first half. Really? Uh, the reasons for that are that, um, uh, twofold. Uh, prices and rents. First of all, in terms of prices, although prices uh, are still moving forward on an annualised basis across all of the property indices at an average of about 9.5% as of last month, um, it's clear that the monthly growth is a bit lower. So the rate of growth that investors are expecting is certainly at the lower end of the uh, 0-10% range. Uh, Our forecast is for 5% growth next year which is clearly at the top of the spectrum if not above the spectrum of other forecasts. uh, But we've been right before this year our forecast was for 8% and we were at the top of the range uh, comfortably compared to other commentators and uh, it would appear that we're comfortably sliding backwards towards around the 8% growth for this year indeed and that's been supported primarily not so much by interest rates as by the lack of supply, house builders can't build enough product.
4: Right, and, and you mentioned rents um, as mm, well, indeed. and I think they're seeing um, quite strong growth at the moment, aren't they?
3: They are indeed, yeah. We, we began to see evidence that rents may have been turning around uh, one year ago, just towards the end of last year. And as what we saw was uh, hearsay and individual comments by investors that they were beginning to see the opportunity to increase their rents. But it was very tentative, and when we talked about this, we were, we were sort of... Uh, told not to talk rubbish and uh, rents were weak and uh, right. everything was bad. But gradually, all the main uh, analysts in the market, the RICS and uh, Arla, and no end of other commentators including Paragon and so on who carry out detailed mm-hmm. surveys of landlords have found that rents indeed really are rising and relatively strongly.
4: Right, so there could be more you know, more income in there for landlords yes, um, yes, who indeed. potentially go in. But what does all this mean for first-time buyers then, Mm. for the people, I guess, who have been forced to rent for longer?
3: Yes. Yeah. And, and I mean, if, somebody has to lose to a degree for others to win. The reason rents are rising very strongly suddenly is we've seen first time buyers drop to less than 10% of the market suddenly in the last couple of months. And what's basically happening is those people are now renting. They maybe were sitting on their hands and wondering what to do, maybe living at home or with parents or sharing. Many of them are moving into rented accommodation separately, having given up on the idea in the short term of buying their own property. So first time buyers have been squeezed out of the market and as we'll continue, the average age of home ownership will probably continue to increase. We're into our thirties already.
4: So the market looking good for landlords and, and not so good for first not time so good buyers. for first time
3: buyers, I'm afraid. No. The the opportunity I suppose this exists for landlords acquiring new products where where there are Uh, transactions happening in the market at the moment generally they're forced transactions people who need to move need to sell and it's true that the first-time buyer has the same opportunity to buy from a distressed seller as well as an investor but with the state of financial education in the uk it's likely uh, an educated probably self-educated property investor will get the numbers quicker and act Mm, quicker than a first-time buyer who will still be nervous that they haven't fully understood all the numbers and right. may miss a great buying opportunity from a, a forced seller.
0: That was Stuart Law of assets sounding really rather bullish uh, I thought. And I couldn't help but think also that well he's bound to say that because he has a huge vested interest in having people <laughs> uh, uh, buy into property to, to let out. Um, there are some factors that could cause concern though aren't there?
4: Absolutely. And I think uh, Stuart's view is definitely one of the most positive. This week, we've seen a number of much more gloomy forecasts come out. The Council of Mortgage Lenders said that they thought house price growth would slow to about 1% next year. A number of other economists are predicting falls across the country of up to around 3%. So it's definitely looking a little bit
2: shaky. One problem could be that after April, if the capital gains tax changes go through, investors won't have to wait um, up to 10 years to get full taper relief, so they might decide to sell out quickly and just take profits in case the market's looking toppy. Then the issue is, will there be enough first-time buyers who who are able to buy in? And that depends on the economy, whether the economy is still strong and they've got jobs.
4: I think that is the big fear, that we could see buy-to-let investors start to sell off, because as soon as that happens, you know, you've got... a lot more supply coming onto the market, and that you know, is the, the main reason that prices would fall if we've got more demand than supply. So if that does start to happen, that could mean uh, the property market's in, in deeper trouble than we think it is.
0: But would falling prices necessarily be a bad thing for buy-to-let, or if you're a new investor, for example?
4: Well, no, I mean, I guess uh, this is one of the common things we see that, you know, when prices start to slow, you know, that might happen for six months or so. And then the cannier investors or the riskier investors think, well, actually, this is a good buying opportunity, especially with uh, rents looking strong, um, property yields looking better, arguably, than they have done in the last couple of years. You know, if prices come off a bit, We could see the more professional landlords, especially, uh, buying up properties, which in turn could refuel the market.
0: So slowing the market's not necessarily a problem?
4: No, and and I guess a a good thing for first-time buyers as well who um, are facing higher mortgage costs. um, So I'm sure they'd be grateful of that.
0: Very good. Well, if you'd like to know more about Buy to Let and the the outlook uh, for the market, do um, read Charlene's article, which is in FT Money, in the Weekend FT, on 3rd of November, and also on the website at ft.com forward slash money. And finally, today it's good news, bad news, and it seems to all be from one bank, uh, Abby. Um, Elaine, What's the good news?
6: The good news is that Abbey has offered an 8% rate of interest for its bank accounts, which obviously sounds fantastic. But the good news isn't actually as good as it sounds. The deal is that you receive 8% up to £1,000 on up to £1,000 of your account. But after that, the rate comes right back down to 2.5%. And you will need to put in £1,000 every single month. So it's actually quite a complicated and not fantastically good deal
2: doesn't sound very good at all. There could be better accounts, actually. If you look at moneyfacts.co.uk, you can get int- uh, no-notice internet accounts, which offer better rates than that.
0: Yeah. So calling this an 8% account is somewhat a misleading. Of a fallacy, yes. Yeah.
6: And especially as there's quite a lot of good rates out there at the moment. Lots of banks have been offering around 6%, even higher. So this is quite a bad time to offer such a low rate.
0: Hmm, so don't be don't be fooled by big headline rates. Okay, so that's not terribly good news followed by bad news, Charlene. What's the bad news?
4: Well, the, ban- this, uh, the bad news involves mortgages. And Abbey again made the headlines this week when it announced that um, it was launching this mortgage offer that actually has a fixed fee of £9,995, which sounds enormous. I mean, we've seen mortgage fees rising over the last year or so, but this really is, is way above anything else we've seen actually offered on very large mortgages, half a million plus. So actually, if you were taking out a a big, big mortgage, sort of three quarters of a million, it might be cheaper to do this than go to another provider um, who's perhaps offering a percentage fee, so two or three percent of the mortgage.
0: So you have to do your sums in order to find out if it's worth paying almost £10,000 for the privilege of owing Thousands more.
4: Exactly, yes. Yeah.
0: That does sound like rather bad news to me. So we haven't really got any good news from the world of financial services, but we do have some good news on FT Money. I hear that, uh, Elaine, you have been uh, named as the winner of uh, the prize for Best Personal Finance Consumer and Newcomer Journalist of the Year. That's right. Fantastic.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Thank you. Was it, a, was it a star-studded glittering ceremony?
6: It was. I don't want to make everyone jealous who's listening, but it was can we have fantastic.
0: A, can we have a snippet of your acceptance speech?
6: <laughs> they they didn't let me make an acceptance speech. Actually, I just had to shake their hand and and have my photo taken, cheesily, and that's it.
0: Cheesy photos are the best. Yeah. Well, our congratulations Thank you. Uh, to you on that. And uh, that's all we have time for uh, for this week's FT Money Show. Remember, you can email your views and your questions to ask.ftyourmoney at ft.com. And we'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye goodbye from me.
4: Goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. And me.
0: And it's goodbye from our podcast producers, Blue Barracuda.